0: Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region.
1: Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. Until early this year, the most sensitive dimension in the relationship between Russia and Israel was the Syrian one. Moscow was determined to protect its foothold there, and therefore, prop up the Assad regime, while Jerusalem avoided friction with the Russians in order to keep fighting unrelenting efforts by Iran's forces and proxies to entrench along Israel's northern front. With the prolonged Ukraine war, Russian priorities have changed, at least for the duration of the conflict. Now, Moscow needs Tehran for arms and munitions, and it also expects Israel to resist Kiev's pressure to supply it with lethal military aid. What are the positions and prospects in this uneasy relationship. With us to explore it are Major General in Reserve, Gil Cohen, who is a former IDF Army Corps commander, thank you for joining us, sir. Also joining us is Brigadier General in Reserve, uh, Doron Gavish, who is uh, the former Air Defense Chief of the Israel Air Force, thank you for joining us as well, General. And uh, of course, uh, TV7's editor-at-large, Mr. Amir Oren, host of Watchmen Talk, Powers and employ, and so much more. Uh, Mr. Oren, give us a broader understanding on the the various fluctuations, if you will, between Jerusalem and Moscow and its uh, quite strenuous relations these days. So it seems uh, as if it happened years ago, but uh, the uh,
0: Russia-Ukraine war is uh, now entering its 10th month. So it couldn't have been uh, that long ago when then uh, Prime Minister Bennett uh, tried to position himself as the mediator between presidents uh, Putin and Zelensky. Of course, it was hopeless. Israel uh, was not a player in this game. But what uh, Israel uh, has been trying to do is to avoid being blamed by either side for damages uh, to uh, their own positions. In the war, Israel did not heed Zelensky's calls Uh, to supply it uh, with lethal um, equipment. Uh, At most, uh, it is giving uh, what it calls humanitarian aid. But uh, obviously, Israel does not want uh, to be culpable in killing Russian uh, troops. And um, whatever Zelensky and uh, his uh, uh, diplomats are saying, um, is not going to nudge Israel from this position. Uh, But on the diplomatic front, Israel uh, has sided in the United Nations with the Ukraine, which, again, uh, is not uh, to President Putin's liking. Uh, Concurrently, because of Russia's um, military problems in the war, it has turned to Iran as an unlikely supplier. Uh, We have been uh, used to seeing uh, Iran on the receiving end of uh, whatever equipment Russia and China and other suppliers sold it. And um, here the tables were turned and Iran, because it has uh, developed uh, drones and other um, sorts of uh, munitions, is now uh, one of uh, Russia's key suppliers. So that will probably change the Russian-Iranian relationship in Syria too, Um, if and when the focus returns from the Ukraine to Syria.
1: Of course, maintaining the uh, corridor of Iran-Armenia going all the way to Russia and enabling uh, uh, the deployment of uh, unmanned aerial vehicles of uh, uh, various uh, short to medium-range missiles. And there are also reports, of course, uh, which have not yet been corroborated with regard to the ballistic missiles uh, being transferred from Iran uh, to Russia, even though... There have been specific reports uh, by key uh, officials in Russia, which have confirmed somewhat uh, that uh, Moscow is indeed interested in uh, further deepening that uh, collaboration with Iran. But
0: this this reflects um, the Russian wish to show the world that Russia is not isolated.
1: Indeed. Uh, Even though, on the other hand, we have uh, the special armored Amir, a uh, uh, armored vehicle being utilized, an Israeli-made yes, armored this, vehicle Yes, this will in, not in decide Ukraine. the
0: war in Ukraine's favor.
1: It favorite. will not, but it will enable certain uh, angles uh, of ambulances and, and other aspects of that sort. Uh, but I'd like to ask uh, both our distinguished generals here, uh, and maybe I'll, I'll start with you, uh, General Gavish. When we're talking about uh, Israel's northern interests, uh, one of the key red lines for Jerusalem have been since uh, 2011, but also uh, before that and after that more vigorously since 2014, um, to thwart Iranian entrenchment in Syria along the northern frontier and the transfer Mm -hmm. of precision-guided munitions, among other uh, tools (coughs) that are enabling uh, Israel's uh, enemies in the context of Hezbollah and, and other organizations there. To what degree has the friction with Moscow challenged Israel's ability uh, to truly hinder Iranian efforts, if not foil them all together?
2: I think it's it's a great question and really you are touching the essence of uh, Israel behavior toward the Ukrainian war and other, uh, I would say, arenas uh, regarding to uh, Russia and, and, and where Israel is uh, putting itself. Uh, Israel's main goal in the northern arena is to deny as much as it can the uh, uh, the Iranians of doing what they are trying to do there and trying to and trying to enforce uh, the Hezbollah. It was said more than once that Israel have red lines and allegedly we are doing all kind of things uh, in order really uh, to deny. it. So, from Israel's point of view. This is, uh, from, from the defense point of view, this is something strategically that is needed in order to deny as much as Israel can the Iranian intrusion into, into uh, Syria. The Russians are there. And uh, up to now, uh, the situation is that Israel, again, allegedly is doing what, he, he, what we want, plus minus, and the Russians are not part of this game. Uh, we want it to stay like that. We don't want them to, uh, uh, of course, to fight or to do something actively against uh, against Israeli airplanes or against any other Israeli means. Uh, so from Israel point of view, this is something uh, super important, strategically, is to keep their relations with the Russians in order that they would be there, but without interfering in the area. General Akun.
3: <clears throat> Russians are here. And they intervened here uh, in the past, in 67, uh, since uh, 1955, 56, and also in the May war. So <coughs> the involvement is not new. The main interest of the Russians now <clears throat> must be recognized as a new interest. Actually, what they are trying now in comparing it to what happened in the past, in the past they wanted a intervention according to the Cold War and to the communist uh, spreading idea. Today, it is absolutely different. Today, uh, they are recognizing the Middle East in the same way that the United States recognizing the role of uh, uh, Latin America. So they are interested in what's going on here by recognizing this arena as uh, the backward of Russia. And uh, it is not only just the territorial uh, control and the uh, influence upon that control. It is a way to enhance and to promote the main purpose of what they are already fighting about. They are fighting about a different culture of the democratic culture. So they can do that here in the Middle East. So we must take the whole uh, rationale of them here in that uh, new framework.
1: Indeed. Mr.
0: Just, just, just to add to what Gershon said, um, looking at it from the perspective of Moscow, the Black Sea, and obviously they took over the Crimea, and uh, they want uh, to have control of the northern shore of uh, the uh, Black Sea. This is the gateway to the Mediterranean. Of course, it is controlled by Turkey, which is another problem for Russia. And when they are in the Middle East, Syria is their main base.
1: Taking into context also what General Quinn has mentioned as well as General uh, Gavish, uh, on the 24th of October, 1973, uh, after Ceasefire negotiations uh, have not yielded uh, substantive fruit. Uh, Russia or Moscow at the time, on, as part of the Soviet Union, uh, threatened a conventional response by the Warsaw Pact uh, then we also saw, uh, at the time, or you saw—I wasn't alive back then—the uh, the fact that uh, uh, two uh, brigades, nuclear-capable brigades, have uh, uh, gone on high alert. Uh, of course, speaking about the Soviet uh, brigades uh, for tactical nukes, uh, something that has triggered both a reaction and preparedness, both in Israel as well as uh, by the United States and uh, the American response, obviously. Has uh, uh, caused the Russians to uh, double down on their their uh, threat, or, or actually to withdraw that uh, threat uh, altogether. Uh, to what degree do you see that capitulation back then? Um, taking into context the current reality, in which under Prime Minister or the outgoing Prime Minister Yair Lapid, uh, his rhetoric in support of Ukraine has triggered. Uh, vigorous reactions from various officials in Russia, including Medvedev, uh, the former prime minister and president, uh, albeit on a secondary role in both uh, powerful positions. Uh, He did come out and threaten Israel on several occasions, which triggered a certain cessation of hostilities from the Israeli operational perspective uh, for a period of time. So...
0: History is too long to go um, into, and having spoken with Secretary Kissinger about these events, uh, as well as researching uh, them, um, it was much more complicated. Um, First of all, the Soviets, before they um, became Russians again, uh, were known for empty threats started with Bulgarian in 1956. It's always oblique. It's not a direct threat. It's in the form of a question. How would you feel if one of your cities were to be attacked? Just asking. I'm I'm not saying anything. Some people in Israel felt uh, an existential threat. And this, but along with President Eisenhower's real threat, caused Ben-Gurion to retract at the time. This is 1956. We are um, long uh, after that now. Uh, In 1967, yes, under Brezhnev, the hawkish faction in Moscow probably caused the crisis which brought about the Six-Day War. But in 1973, the more dovish faction, headed by Foreign Minister Gromyko, had the upper hand over Defense Minister Grechko. And what you described at the October 24th crisis had only to do with keeping Sadat in power. Because had the Third Army been destroyed by Israel, Sadat would have fallen. And the question was, is Sadat going to stay in the Soviet orbit or is he going over to the Americans? And the fact that Kissinger saved him by putting pressure on Israel uh, gave more impetus. To the uh, uh, Sadat uh, doctrine of leaving the Soviets and going to America. And so, all of this history means that what uh, Putin is doing now uh, has very little to do with uh, what his predecessors, up to Gorbachev in, in the Soviet Union, did. Uh, Putin um, acts very forcefully, he doesn't care for nuances, he doesn't want Israel to impede his um policy in the in Syria which is based uh, on keeping Assad in power a goal Israel shares Israel doesn't want Syria to disintegrate doesn't want chaos there so at least on this narrow front there is uh, some compatibility between Jerusalem and Moscow
1: Indeed. With that being said, of course, uh, drawing the latter analogy to uh, our conversation, General Kavish, when we're looking at uh, the Russian doctrine, it's derived from the Soviet doctrine, Mm -hmm. and compared to the Western doctrine in which nuclear weapons were utilized in order to deter uh, the Russian doctrine actually saw them as tools justifiable, specifically the tactical ones, in order to shift the balance of power from one way to another and uh, ultimately grant the Russians the upper hand. Uh, this can, of course, be also taken into context in other uh, methods and tools. Now, Israel, its operations to thwart Iranian entrenchment in Syria and Lebanon and elsewhere, ultimately is regarded by the Russians as a tool, a tool that it can utilize, and it can, to a certain degree, even though a lesser degree, control by trying and uh, creating certain pressures from time to time. Is this a reality that can be interpreted for the Syrian arena, or is this going one step too far?
2: that the Russians will threaten Israel with a tactic nuclear weapon? It weapons. would
1: enable Israel, as a tool that attacks uh, the Iranians in the Syrian theater, to ultimately uh, thwart Iranian um, enlargement, so to speak, considering the fact that even though the Iranians are assisting the Russians in Ukraine, uh, the alignment between Russia and Iran is not necessarily on the same level in Syria.
2: Well. I think you're right if what if we are narrowing the discussion to Syria It's not exactly the same. I mean basically each one of them want to control the area the Russians from their point of view They prefer to be the ones that are helping the Syrians that they prefer to be the one that are controlling Syria for all kind of different reasons one of them was mentioned before but also uh, re- We have to remember that it helps them uh, with the exit to the Mediterranean and some other capabilities that comes uh, with being in this area. So from their point of view, they would like to be the one in control. So here we have some differences, because the Iranians have the same ideas. They also want to be in control in Syria. They see it as, as, as their playground, or they see it as, as, a, as an area that is super important for them, either to, uh, to help the, the Hezbollah and with their efforts, against Israel, or, or directly toward Israel. So, yes, in this area, I think that there is kind of conflict bo- be- between those two powers, which it is, in a way, in favor of Israel. And for us, it's better that this is a situation that uh, would with, uh, uh, with, uh, continue. And if Israel would have to choose, probably, it would choose the Russians other than and, uh, the Iranians. So, that's what I would say. General <clears throat> Cohen? First of all, we must... Uh
3: bring back the memory that uh, the Russians are involved and yet going on to involved in Libya. So there is a great connection between Syria to Libya and the struggle about the hegemony in the east side of the uh, Mediterranean Sea. And uh, we also faced the intervention of Wagner forces in, uh, in Libya uh, Together with other interests of uh, the Turks, uh, the Turks' interest in Libya. So it is very, very complicated, dynamical, changing, and beyond all that, we must uh, uh, look upon the operational idea of the Russians in Ukraine. What they are actually doing? Therefore, they are not uh, really uh, aware about uh, a, a failure. They are not uh, thinking that they are failing. They are deterring the people, the population in Ukraine. This is a very, very traditional Mongol idea. Uh, they are living in absolutely different form of thinking of the West. It means that they can lose in the battlefield against the Ukraine in Kherson. I don't think that they lose lost them, but they withdraw from Kherson. But in the way they are deterring and attacking the cities, taking the electricity from them before the winter. It is exactly the forms of uh, terrorism that used to keep power of the Mongols, of the Russians uh, in the medieval time. Mm. And they are bringing back these uh, forms of acting and is really changing the whole uh, Values of, about the constraints: what is legitimate, what is not legitimate, regarding uh, scorched earth, a, a war here in this region.
0: But but uh, sure. uh, regarding Syria, um, the Russians um, do not control all of Syria, uh, nor do they aim to do it. Uh, they know that they have to share power with the Turks in the north, with the Israelis and the Americans, and. To some extent, the Jordanians in the yes. uh, in the south, in Tanef, mm-hmm. and what um, they want to to control is the core that is Damascus, the regime, and the coastal strip Tartus of Tartus, and Tartus and Latakia, 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 and Hamimim uh, airbase. for them. And uh, the airspace above it, this is this is enough. Uh, they never put uh, too many troops. In there, they have military police and other such uh, units um, to um, extend uh, their power, but these are not combat uh, units. uh, And whatever they had
1: along with the more seasoned commanders, they took to Ukraine. With that being said, of course, in the last couple of weeks we saw repeated Aerial sorties by Russian uh, aircraft uh, penetrating the so-called de-escalation zone, the Erdogan-Putin uh, arrangement for the Idlib area on the. And M4. now there is a
3: new attack of uh, the Turks on Idlib and this border.
1: So at a time when the Russians actually opened their airspace, uh, which they control, to the Turks to go inside, the Turkish forces enable. Uh, The Russians to penetrate the Idlib area, which the Turks are uh, somewhat more vigorous about, and to strike specifically uh, the various organizations that are threatening not only uh, Russian grip over there, but also the the Syrian forces of uh, Bashar al-Assad. To a lesser degree, also the Iranian proxies, which are staying uh, to a certain extent at bay, but there is, of course, a coordinated mechanism there uh, in order to establish certain parameters uh, under Russian uh, auspices. Uh, To what degree is Israel looking at the northern composition and learning from the various developments on that front, uh, on the Turkish border, of course, and uh, preparing itself for Similar scenarios that may occur also on our front?
2: I think that if we're looking on Israel's strategic in the last 10 or more years, I think um, we should say that, and, and this is on, on the favor of Israel in the world, that it's under the understanding that we cannot shape whatever we want to shape, like we tried in the past in Lebanon, for example. We need to contain the situation. As much as we can, we need to look what is happening and to see direct what are those uh, in- Israeli threats, the uh, Israeli interests that are being threatened. So so I think that, you know, Israel is looking at it. Uh, we Israel is learning whatever we could learn for sure from the military point of view. But the last thing that Israel would like to do is to intervene between what is happening between Russia, Turkey, and, and this area. This is... We, we have enough from, from our side, we have enough uh, challenges, and, and so I think that we're looking but at But it's it. a good
1: study case.
2: Well, it's a good study case, like, like Ukraine is a good right. study case, and other places. Uh, but, but I think really the, the main understanding here in Israel that we, we cannot shape, it's not that we would do things and things with the, uh, the arrange as we want. We need to just look sometime contains, and look specifically on the Israeli interest. I think this is something important that is happening in this arrangement.
0: May, may I interject um, briefly? Uh, um, I fully agree with the uh, term containment. But of course, it comes from the Cold War. And one uh, may uh, understand it as we are here, you are there. You're not going to invade us. We're not going to roll back. But there is another level, which when you two were on active service. Israel tried to perfect on the West Bank, and that is mowing the grass We know that we can't do it once and once and forever But every time in a while so this was done against terrorists uh, in the West Bank And now it is being done in Syria against the Iranians uh, efforts Uh, either to transport weapons to Hezbollah in Lebanon or to entrench themselves. So there are sorties after sorties, attacks after attacks, and it is being accepted as a fact. It's uh, not deniable, but no one uh, uh, seems uh, to uh, uh, make a big thing out of it on either side. It's a fact of life. With that being said, uh, General uh,
3: Kuhn? We must take him seriously with their presence, not only regarding coordination, what we are doing Mm. today. What we must take seriously is the fact that they have interest here. Just an example, in 2009, I visited Russia and three generals from uh, J-5 came to deliver a message. They came three in order to check each other that it will be... (laughs) So it's not double
0: check, it's triple check.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And the message was, Tell your defense minister the following. We are really respecting your interest to attack Iran. We can understand that. But you must take in consideration that we have also interest there. And it, your interest is absolutely against our, our. interest. Take that seriously. This did was did you report
0: it? And what was your re- was <laughs> I his reaction? I reported that to El Barak. Well, what was his reaction?
1: <laughs>
3: um, he didn't take it really seriously. <laughs> But I took it seriously.
1: Yeah. Well, we're drawing near to the end of the program. <laughs> and uh, <Heard>
3: you.
1: <laughs> Indeed, uh, I'd like to hear a, a certain projection of where things may uh, lead to in the near future. There's been discussion for quite some time, even since uh, 2009, about the fact that the Russians do have interests and they will work and, and act to, to safeguard those interests. Of course, uh, uh, these collide with Israeli interests uh, time and again. So uh, therefore, I'd, I'd like to ask, to what degree are we on a course of collision with the Russians at this stage? We'll start with General Gavish.
2: Well, I, I don't think that we are, in, in a, we are going to a collision uh, with, with, the, with Russia. Uh, but for sure we are in the, the situation is much challenging than it was in the past. Uh, the, the Ukrainian situation uh, influenced uh, our arena. Uh, the relations between Iran and Russia are influencing uh, Israel. so I don't think that we want to go there. I hope that it won't happen, uh, but for sure the, the future is, is a bit more challenging than it was up to now. General Quinn, They can really risk yeah. us and
3: they can uh, just be responsible to what's going on in uh, Ukraine, the duration of war. Just imagine that we are going to fight with Hezbollah and we cannot stop bring an end to that. Uh, One month, two months, and they can make a lot of effort to prevent uh, bringing an end to a war like that. This is a great danger, we must take that seriously.
0: Mr. In the Western tradition, Western Christian tradition, we are into the holiday season, which is supposed to be peaceful. In the uh, European theater, it's winter. Uh, so hopefully there will be a pause there as well as here.
1: Come back with this question when, the, the, uh, when, when they, the snow melts. Indeed. Well, uh, this is all the time they were for today. I'd like to thank General Gavish, General Cohen, Mr. Oren, and uh, to thank also our viewers. And until next time, for yet another episode of Jerusalem Studio. Shalom. Shalom.
2: Thank you
0: for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we
1: invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.